Well, good morning. Spring is right around the corner, and we're happy about that, right? Yeah. We've got one more week, though. We've, we've got to be prepared at least for a week or two. Finishing well. Today I continue the series that Pastor Steve began a couple weeks back on finishing well. What does it mean to finish well? And, and Lord, uh, I, I, as I prayed this week about it, I, uh, I, I heard the words of the psalmist as he approached the ends of, uh, end of his days on earth and his focus narrowed to the most important things. Lord, when we don't have much time, our focus narrows to the most important things. And I heard his prayer. Even when I'm old and gray, O God, forsake me not until I declare thy strength to this generation, thy power to all who are to come. Lord, preserve me. Don't forsake me until I declare and pass on your strength to this generation. Your power to all that are to come. Amen. Amen. Some years ago, I... Remember a story about some elephants that went crazy in northern India. These villages in northern India have wild elephants, as you know, all all around them. And all of a sudden, these elephants began to rampage and crash through the villages and tear down the huts and even to kill people. They crushed people. And of course, the villagers were, were just dumbfounded. This had, had never happened in their remembrance. They had coexisted. They couldn't understand it. And of course, at first, they wanted to kill them all, just kill the whole herd. And yet they got some government researchers who came in. And what they discovered, listen, what they discovered was that the two matriarchs, you know, an elephant family is headed by wise, older matriarchs, that the two matriarchs had died, one of poachers killed and, and one from disease. And adolescents had filled the void. They were leading the family. And isn't this fascinating what they did? They went and found several mother elephants from another place and transplanted them into this renegade family. And what happened? The problem was solved. Peace and harmony. Boom. It was reestablished and they came back into God's established order, the way God intended that to work. Now, I know the moral of the story that some of you have already drawn is that this world would be a better place if women ruled. I I realize that that probably is what some of you have already uh, 
And there might be some truth, but that is not the point that we are making this morning. We're not going to get into that. The point is somehow in God's providence, in the way God does things, that peace and harmony were restored as they came back into the order that God had created. See, there's an order that God has created. And when we get away from that order, there is what? There's disorder. There is chaos. People get crushed. And hurting people then hurt people. The truth is, God's order. In God's order, everybody is needed. In this story, the the younger elephants needed the time-tested wisdom of the older, but it's equally true that the older elephants need the passion and the compassion in our society of the younger In God's economy, each has a a function, and as God orders it, it reestablishes life and peace where there's been chaos. The problem, beloved, is this is a fallen world, and it tends toward what? It tends toward disorder. We get thrown out of order. We get hurt and crushed. The problem is we become angry then and we become renegades in our own hearts. And we, having been hurt, want to hurt. We want to do what was done unto us. As the sins of the fathers get visited on the third and the fourth generation. You see, these generational issues get Passed down, it says in Exodus 25. We don't need to look far to see this ever increasing, echoing effect. The Arabs and the the Jews, the in Northern Ireland, the Protestants and the Catholics, the the Crips and the whatever. Everywhere, it's all around us. Look at the news. 24-7, we can see the ramifications being passed down, the sins of the fathers being visited on the third and fourth generation of those who oppose me, who, who are not willing to come into the, the, my order, says the Lord. But there's good news, beloved. There's good news. God has a, an order. And just as He's told us in His Word about the truth of the problem, He also tells us the truth about a promise. He says, but I, says the Lord, will show loving kindness to a thousand generations of those who love me and and seek to keep my commandments. You see, there's a good news. There's a way out. There's a way to reestablish blessedness and harmony and order where there's been chaos Lest a curse fall upon the land. You see, that's what happens in Malachi in the fourth chapter, the sixth verse. If, if God's order isn't established, then disorder reigns. In the absence of order, there is disorder and a curse falls on the ground, on the earth. But God 
God's given us a promise of how to reestablish order. And what is that promise in Malachi? It's the last verse of the scripture. What is the promise that reestablishes order? Can anyone tell me? Restore the hearts. What restores order is restoring the hearts of the fathers to their children, the children to their fathers. That reestablishing right and godly relationship between us and our children and our children's children restores the promise God can, can do a, a, a miracle. And you see, into such a world, the psalmist who I, I used his prayer this morning, he lives in such a world. He sees on the one hand the ramifications of the curse and that, that curse being passed down. But also he's tasted of the promise. He's tasted of the treasure. He's found the shalom of God, the blessing and the, of the inheritance of relationship with God. He's, he's heard it as a child and now he, he knows what establishes peace and harmony. And he wants with all his heart, beloved, to pass that on. That's his greatest desire as, as his life comes to a close. He knows what the treasure is. He's got it. And he wants to, to pass it on. Oh, when I'm old and gray. Oh God, don't forsake me until I declare thy strength to this generation, thy power to all who are to come. God, he says in verse 17, you, you taught me from my youth. And I still declare thy wondrous deeds. Even now, Lord, let me get this across to the next generation. You see, I, I have no trouble believing, beloved, that, that that was not just a one-time prayer. That was an ongoing prayer. That was the passion of his life as he drew to a close his last breaths, even when I'm old and gray. Lord, oh, may I get this treasure into the hands of the next generations. That's what he was living for. And you see that if you look at the scriptures, you see the same thing in the patriarchs in Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph and David, all of them. What are they found doing uh, on their deathbeds? Are they thinking of themselves? Are they saying, oh, woe is me, poor me? No, their final breath, they're they're seeking to, to, to finish well. They're seeking to impart this this treasure, this blessing, this inheritance of their Faith, their relationship with God. They want to lay their hands, bring the children with my final breaths. I bring the children. I want to lay my, I want to speak a special blessedness over them because just as God has led me and I've gotten, I want them to be led in their life, to be launched into their life, to know the blessings of God. In Acts 13, 36, David is a little epitaph about, about David. And what does it say about David's life? For David, after he had served the purposes of God in his own generation, fell asleep. 
I want you to think about that. It's, a, it's an amazing epitaph of his life. It's an amazing legacy. And you may say, well, he failed so miserably, adultery, all these other things. But he kept getting up. You see, God called him a, a man after mine own heart. Because even though he failed, he kept getting up. He kept pursuing God. He kept seeking to serve God. And to do what? To pass the inheritance to the next generation. What do all these examples have, have in common? They speak, every one of them, to, to getting this treasure into the hands of, of those who need it. Lest a curse fall. Oh, that God, that you would bless, lest. In John 17, verse 4, on the night before Jesus was crucified in his high priestly prayer, what what is he saying? He says, I have glorified thee, Father, on earth by doing what? By accomplishing the work that you've given me to do. I've, I've glorified you, Lord, on earth by accomplishing, by completing the work which you've given me to do. And what was that work? It was to get into the hands of those twelve disciples that treasure that liberates, that frees, that reestablishes order, that, that brings forgiveness and deliverance and healing. You see, there's a secret and in God's economy, he, He's given each of us a special and, and a, a task. A work that He's called us to do. What, what is the, the work that He's called you to do? That you might finish well. That, that's the question today. And in, in the, the coming days, isn't that a question that's truly worth your pondering? Because each of us, we understand we're not going to be here forever. Lord, what is it? What is it that you've called me specifically, Lord, to do? What's the treasure that you've given me, the life message that others uh, could, could benefit from? Perhaps a, a way of getting at it. would be, I'd ask you to think with me for a second. How was it that you came to a, a saving knowledge of, of Jesus Christ? Think about it. It's a long time ago for, for many of us, but what, what happened then? How did that come about, that you began to experience the love of, of Christ on a personal, personal level? Inevitably, when you start to think back, you'll think of people. You'll think of people who did things that caused you, that reflected the love of God to you. What, what were they? Think in your mind. What specifically? Not just who the people were, but what was it that they did, said? What were they like? That God would use them in such a way to change your life. How did they care? I'm going to give you only 60 seconds. And they're going to have 60 seconds. But what I want you to do for one minute 
is I want you to think about who was it and what did they do? What were the characteristics God used to change your life? In them, how did they love you? I'd rather you turn to somebody other than the one you came with. Would that be okay? And and just, I I know we don't do this a lot in church, but it's okay. We can do this, right? Tony, can we do this? I'd like you to turn now to someone, maybe other than the one you came with. And I want you to just say what it was that God used in that, that person to bring you to Christ. What were what specifically? What, what how did how did they how were they? Okay, can we do that? 30 seconds for you to do it and 30 seconds for the other person. Turn around somewhere. Uh, slide over. Go on, it's okay. We can move in church. Come on, let's go. Everybody. It's all right. Thirty seconds. Okay, let me ask you to, let me ask you if I could draw us back. And and just a few brave people, just a few brave people. um, What specifically was it that God, look at this, I got peripheral vision. I see you, Phil, I see you. Uh, uh. So what, what specifically was it about that person? Uh, you know, they, they weren't perfect people. They had all kinds of foibles and failures. It wasn't like they were Jesus. But somehow you experienced Jesus even despite that. Somebody raise your hand and, and say, what was a characteristic that you, you experienced that, that helped bring you to Christ? Betty. Okay. Okay. So, in unconditionally loved by her parents, that 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 was just a part, just just a just a word or two. What's a word? A, just a quick sentence. Yeah, Tony, real loud. Yeah. Well, <laughs> she 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 reflected the love of Jesus. Is that what you're trying to say, Tony? Okay. We'll leave that last part out. No. <laughs> Anybody else? So, yeah, Harold. He accepted you where you were. Yeah.
Okay. Praise the Lord. Really loved by older men. Yeah. Somebody else. Yeah. In, uh, Al. Amen. Thank you. Yeah. Godly grandmother. Amen. Amen. I know there are are lots of others. I came to Christ because a young life leader knew my name. He cared enough to know my name. And I remember thinking, I'm nobody. How does he know my name? He saw me. And, and he believed in me when I didn't believe in myself. And I experienced Jesus in that. Here are some other things that I just jotted down. They sacrificed. They made time. They listened. They came uh, to my ball games. They wrote a heartfelt note. They saw me, who I really was, and called me forth. They believed in me before uh, I believed in my... Who, who doesn't need that, you see, beloved? Who doesn't need that? And if you think about it, what they did, it changed your life. And the real question, listen, the real question this morning is, can you do that for others? That's actually a real question I'd like you to answer. Can you do that for others? Yes, we can do that. For others, it it really isn't all that hard. It's just being mindful enough to say, Lord, we're not talking about doing this for 400 people. We're just talking about doing this for what? Just for one. Just praying and seeing one person and believing the Holy Spirit has put them on your heart. And you know what will happen if we do that? If, If each one, think about it, if our whole church, each one this year, Just prayerfully found one. Think about what would happen in terms of that younger person's life and being encouraged to grow in the Lord. The the college people could could do that with a high school person. The young adults, married, with the the single, the, the older. What would happen? Here's what would happen. Not only would there be a passing down of some of what you've accrued and learned from the things you've suffered. So you have you have some hard earned wisdom from God that's a treasure to you that you orient your whole life around. Oh, to God's glory, Jesus said to, to, to get that in the hands of some others. And you know what happens when we do it, when we risk doing this, actually caring and, and entering. You know what happens? Not only does the younger person in, 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 in receive this wonderful encouragement that somebody saw me and believed in me, but there's a boomerang effect for the older person. All of a sudden, their dreams and passions reignite our dreams and passions that we've forgotten about. You see, God has an order. God knows how to revive our soul. Could it be that the same thing that revives an individual revives a church? 
That we, when we live not for ourselves, but for Him who loved us and gave Himself up for us, where do we begin? Not with 400, but just with one. Praying and saying, Lord, who, who would you, who, who might I really be able to come alongside and bless and serve and encourage? If you're a parent, it's your child, your children. That's your primary mission field. And if you're an adult with, with, with adult children who perhaps are not following the Lord, don't come under a, a, a shame attack. Don't, don't be, come under condemnation. This is not an ideal world. Our kids aren't ideal. Our parents weren't ideal. It's a question now of, of not saying what's ideal. It's a question of saying, God, what's the best now I can do? What, what's the best now at this point, given where I am? What's the best I can do? I'll tell you what the best you can do is. Here it is. Listen. You can pray. Second, you can make sure there's no offense in your own heart. Romans twelve eighteen says, as much as it concerns you, be at peace with all men. In the Aramaic Bible, I looked it up, it said, if possible, according to what's in your heart, be at peace with others. You can't do what's in their heart, but you are responsible, and so am I, for the offense or the judgment or whatever's held in our heart. We can really take that to the cross and realize our days are numbered and that we have... A treasure. So that's our first priority biblically is our own children. Second, God's order, a reestablishing order, is that the church family, the older women, serve the younger women. They teach them. But they come alongside, they encourage them. And the older men do what? They reach out and, and care about the younger men. And then thirdly, we ask the Holy Spirit, Lord, who would you... Who would you lead me to? How how might you uh, lead me to a person who is in need that I might come alongside and serve them? And how would I do that? Well, just by 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 seeing something that would help them and then eventually saying, you know what? Can you tell me some about your life and then sharing something of your own life and don't leave out your failures? Don't leave out some of your failures. Well, you say, preacher, wait a minute, that's, uh, that's too hard. I, I don't know if I can do that. You could say, I don't have opportunity. Really? Do we not really have opportunity? Oh, we got all kinds of opportunities. But we got to be led. Second, you might say, well, I don't, I don't know how. It's as easy as actually just loving somebody. Being willing to love. Maybe they wouldn't be interested. That's true. We've got a risk. But here's the last one. I'm going to end on this. Listen. The excuse may be, if I'm really honest with you, that I feel like my sins, my failures, disqualify me And if that's you, 
I don't want to, I, I, I just want to say this to you. Don't let the devil disqualify you. Can you say amen to that? Don't let the devil disqualify you. You have a treasure. You have something that this world desperately needs. You are needed. Don't go AWOL. Don't let the devil shelf you. Just because you've made mistakes. We've all made mistakes. David made horrible mistakes. All the biblical characters. We all make mistakes. What now? What are you going to do now? See, that's the real issue about spirituality. It isn't what our first response. It's our second response. Our third. What are you going to do now? Are you willing, as David did, despite the heinous nature of his sin, he got up and he, he grieved, and he, but he got up and he got on with the business of God because this world needed him and it needs you. It'll destroy us. It'll rob us. Not only will it destroy us, but it'll rob other people who desperately need our help. And I just, this came to me now as I was, I was thinking, you know, most of us feel disqualified because of our failures. But could it be, listen, could it be that our, our failures actually don't disqualify, but qualify us? That they actually qualify us if we're willing to come into the light on them. You know, beloved, Celebrate Recovery has taught me a lot about this. These, the, the willingness to, to share our weakness, not our strength, our brokenness, our failures. Where does the power come really to change somebody's life? Is it in boasting in our strengths? No, it's in having the courage to admit our weaknesses. God resists the proud. We're like one beggar sharing with another beggar where we found some food and God somehow comes in and, and changes and molds in our hearts. It's in our weakness that we find this strength. When Paul finally discovered that in 2 Corinthians 12, he said, most gladly, therefore, when he used, when he saw it would, it would actually help and heal others, he said, most gladly, therefore, for the sake of others, I would rather boast of my weakness that the power of Christ might dwell in me. Have you gotten to that point where you're willing, for the sake of others, your child who's wayward or whatever, to boast not in your strength or your self-righteousness, but in your weakness? You see, it's only in our weakness that the power of Christ changes hearts. That we no longer would live for ourselves, but for him who loved us. Could it be that compassion for others really does liberate us from obsession with ourself? That it's the key, not living for, Lord, the, the real life and the joy and the peace comes from not focusing on our life. We lose our life that way, but on focusing on somebody else. You know, in closing now, I'm going to ask you to consider doing something. I'm going to ask you to consider putting your name and number on that welcome card that's in front of you in the pew rack. And by doing so, you're not saying I'm committing myself to come alongside or to mentor somebody younger in the Lord. But I'd like you to consider, is that part of of how God 
might cause you and me to finish well? Would you be interested in, 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 in learning more about that and coming together with some other people? And, and let's, let's do this. I know there are ladies sitting right in front of me here. There's a handful of them who have done this with younger women. And we need to do it again. Can you say amen to that? Isn't that true? How few, uh, so many young mothers don't have mothers around. Their parents were divorced. They, they need somebody How few men have an older man who they can trust, who can can help give them some advice. Look, if you're interested, that's what I'm going to ask you to do. And I'm going to give you a minute right now to do it. If you would be willing to say, look, Pastor Jim, I I don't know if I'm committing. I'm, I'm not asking you to commit to anything. I'm just simply saying, are you willing to possibly be used as a mentor? Would you like to be Called if we have a little seminar where we begin talking and teaching uh, on this. I can tell you. It is so needed. I see it every week. And the exciting thing is, if we're willing, there's a boomerang effect. Not only do we give something, but our dreams our, our life is revived. Lord, I ask that you would stir us, that you would cause us to think through what is finishing well, Lord, in my life. What would that look like? How might I, having accrued whatever through whatever I've gone through, how might that be used to help somebody else? Lord, I thank you for the opportunity to do that. And as we close today, Lord, I'm just going to let, I'm not going to close in prayer. I'm going to let some others close in prayer. Very short prayer. I want you just to thank God for someone who sacrificed And cared and reached out to you. Let's just take a minute to to thank God for those people. You know, we're successful today because we stand on the shoulder of spiritual men and women who have gone before us. We're grateful they led us to Jesus. I wonder if a few of you would be willing just to say thank you to God. Very short, very short. Thank you, Lord. 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 Thank you, Lord, for giving me 
Thank you, Lord. Yes. Lord, I thank you for Horace and Tenney. Thank you, Lord. Yes. Thank you for Dick Guerin, who led me to Christ in high school. a sweet, sweet spirit in this place, and I know that it's the Spirit of the Lord. There are sweet expressions on each face. And I know that it's the Spirit of the Lord. Sweet Holy Spirit. Sweet Holy Spirit. Sweet Heavenly Dove. Stay right here with us. Filling us with And for each blessing, we lift our hearts in prayer. Without a doubt, we'll know that we have been revived when we Before we, we close, I, I do want to mention to you that if you if you wrote your name on that little card, it doesn't commit you to anything except saying, you know, I'd be interested in exploring this, that this is part of maybe what God is saying might really help me finish well.
Would you stand and let's share the love of God with somebody else as you go on to your discipleship class? Oh, with the cards. Oh, give me the cards or drop them up front. Drop them up front, if you would, or give them to me. Take a minute and share God's love with somebody. There you go. God bless.